Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 130 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. It has been a minute because we did not technically do a podcast last week because we did a bonus episode. This is the time of year you have to get really creative. We've said this time and time again, Joshua, because the only things we've been talking about, I swear, are the 12-team playoff expansion possibility and then NIL, right? And it is what it is at this point. So we just we're trying to create the most content for you guys as we can. But we promise good things are on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, it's all I seem to talk about anyway nowadays, so why not talk some more about it on this podcast? But like you said, we'll we'll try to keep it fresh and exciting, and hopefully we'll get some other news here down the line. Yeah, and I mean, there are small things happening, and so we'll start with the NCAA and things moving in the right direction in terms of, you know, on the side of the athletes, <laughs> I, I should say. Uh, so the Supreme Court of the United States uh, unanimously affirmed a ruling that was earlier in the week that provides an incremental increase in how college athletes can be compensated also opens the door for future legal challenges that could deal a much more significant blow to the NCAA's current business model, which we know is, is crap. Um, And so when you look at it, this is a decision that's going to allow schools to provide these athletes with unlimited compensation, as long as it in some way is connected to their education So this is what we've sort of been waiting for in terms of getting the ball really moving, Joshua. And I know you were happy to see this come down this week. Yeah, I mean, I was happy overall because it's a step in the right direction. I think it does really open up the door for some further litigation, which is going to be necessary. But I also sit back and kind of ask the question, like, I mean, what 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 do you mean by unlimited expenses related to academics? Like you're going to buy these guys new iPads or these gals new iPads? You know, every yeah. semester, like, I mean, if you're on scholarship, they already pay for your books. So it's not like you need to buy books or anything. Um, so I'd be definitely curious to see how this plays out just in practice. But the one thing that I think was really important and the one thing that um, I take away from what happened is they said that the NCAA was a monopoly and that mm-hmm. the system is un-American, that no other place in America can you have an unpaid labor economy period, but one that produces so much money. So the fact that they just, they, they said what we were waiting for everybody to say about the NCAA, um, I think is a big deal. And it really has shown over kind of these last few weeks, these last couple of months, how powerless the NCAA is right now, just in terms of being able to rule over college athletics the way that they're supposed to. And that brings me to the question, at some point, are we going to see the NCAA dissipate into something much more, less like hands-on, or is it going to turn into something that they are revamping? I mean, what happens to this, you know, 
model because in my eyes, I don't see anything going in any direction for them because it's, it's going in the opposite direction, which it should be because it's been a mess for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I think it either goes like this is the power five fractures off and then shortly behind them will come the group of five type Mm -hmm. scenario. That would be the one thing that I see. The other one that I could really see is that um, college football just does its own thing. And then college basketball would shortly follow. Because the only reason college basketball has any tie to the NCAA is because of March Madness. is because of the tournament. But there are enough smart people who could figure out how to put on a damn tournament without the NCAA. And I believe once that happens... First off, we'll, I think it'll clear up a lot of things like, you know, Division One big time college athletics is very different than even FCS or Division Two and Division Three athletics, right? But right. now you let the NCAA just deal with that, deal with D2, deal with D3, and then let the D1 big dogs figure out how they want to run their system. Mm-hmm. And then we can finally maybe say that, all right, we know that we're in this for the money. This is why we did it. And we're going to make it beneficial to all the parties involved, including the players. Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's a good way to look at it, Joshua. Um, I know that you are, and I know many people, especially college athletes or former college athletes are, you know, so strong about this subject in particular, have been waiting for so long for this type of thing to happen. And I know it's been a long time coming. I've gone through some articles this week, read some highlights and some headlines, and I see a lot of of even coaches, um, not just in football, but in different athletics, a little scared for what the future of college athletics, college football is going to look like, almost in a way like they think this could really completely change everything. What do they but mean what, by that? Okay, and that's what I'm getting at is like, what are they scared of? Are they scared yeah. that now they don't get paid as much? Or now yeah. th- at $10 million a year, they're, they're going to actually, you know, like recruiting is going to be a little bit harder. Like, it's really hard for me to, I, in a system that has benefited them since it started, it's really hard for me to listen to people talk about their fears about the system changing and how it's going to affect college football. Because in in some ways, there are going to be some unintended consequences and players probably will be hurt, right? And I totally get that. By and large, you feel like players are going to be helped by these changes that are coming about. And so anytime I hear somebody who is a beneficiary of the current system, who makes a lot of money say, well, I'm scared about what's going to happen, yeah, are you, are you scared now that your value is going to decrease, that they're going to realize that maybe you're not worth $10 million because they don't have to spend it on you the way that they do right now? And that's just a thought for me. Sure, their job's going to get harder. Like, you got to recruit differently and you got to figure out how to make guys happy. You got to manage some different things. When you get paid yeah. as much money as they get paid, like, if, if you're if you're a, 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 a working for a company and you're getting paid, you know, $4 bucks a year, to manage something like it's really hard for me to feel bad that your, your managerial duties have gotten tougher, like figure it out. So that's where I'm at. No, I'm with you too. It's like, Oh, so finally some of these people that are getting paid a lot of money and I'm not saying this like that coaches 
and your coaches work really hard. I, I understand right. that. I mean, some of their jobs are, are seriously every day of the year, it seems like. But, um, you know, there's other people who are worried about this, who are at the top making a lot of money and maybe not doing as much as we think they're doing or maybe that they should be doing. And now it's just like, oh, wait, we might have more more on our plate. Yeah. It might be a little bit more challenging and and that's really interesting to me and it, it, you're you're right. It's like, yeah, figure it out and suck it up. That's what most of us are doing. Getting paid not a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Um, you and, know, that's what's <laughs> that's what's funny. Yeah, and and that's kind of the deal for me is like do I acknowledge that their job is very difficult? Absolutely 100%. Am I going to be upset if their job gets more difficult? Absolutely not. They get paid a lot no. of money for it. Um, And to your point, there are a lot of people who are in different roles getting paid a lot less that have to figure it out, you know? (laughs) Well, (laughs) exactly. We'll move on from that. But yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like it's it's really hard to feel bad for certain people in certain roles when the reality situation is you got to just adapt. Like if if the system's going to change, then what are you going to do to be a positive catalyst for that change and to adapt with the time. So you're able to be relevant after the change. Real quick, before we move on to the 12 team playoff, um, does this at all give coaches more stability in the long run? Does it speed up the carousel that we continue to see year to year in terms of coaching? In what way can this change the coaching landscape? It's an interesting question, right? Because if you're Ohio State, you know, being in the top four already was, I think, like an expectation. So making the top 12 or being like the 10th seed is probably not the expectation. Um, And so how do you really grade that? Like, how do you grade that success? And I'm sure when we start to see some of these new contracts or contract extensions come out and we look at some of the incentives in there, that will tell us exactly how they grade it. You know, probably still the incentive for winning the conference, but is there a different incentive if you are one of the the conference champs, the top four conference champs, right? Yeah. Is, you know, like all those different things. We'll figure that out. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I thought about. If you are LSU, for example, and mm. you get left out of a 12-team field, that's a failure. True. Is it not? So if you're a coach at one of those schools, LSU, Georgia, and you get left out of that 12-team playoff twice, are you done? Yeah, and that's and, a good and point. the reason I ask that is because if you're LSU or Georgia and you finish number thirteen back to back years, you're probably not getting fired under the current system. Like yeah. people aren't going to be very happy with you, but it's not grounds for a firing. But now, since the playoff is more accessible, you have to figure that some of these teams that are kind of like, you know, they they're elite at recruiting, maybe in that second tier, if if they're left out the coach is probably on the hot seat. If you're Jim Harbaugh and he should have been fired, but if you're Jim Harbaugh and you can go, you know, uh, how many years you've been there going on seven years, let's say seven year. Right. I know. know, Five out of the seven years, you don't make a 12 team field. Like that's, that's easy for me to grade. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't care if you have to play Ohio state, you're done. Right. Yeah. No, that's, and I, and look that like we're going into our next segment here. Cause that 12-team playoff, folks, it, it, it's happening. It, it's going to happen. The proposal for the 12-team college football playoff uh, cleared another hurdle this week. 11 presidents and chancellors 
who have ultimate authority over that format. They authorized the 10 FBS commissioners to uh, begin a like summer review phase um, to determine the feasibility of that expanded field. So they're kind of now working out the details of it. Um, and this is going to be something that is not happening in the next year or so. Um, the next step for it, they say the board of managers and uh, management committee are expected to meet like in late September. So that'll be the next move. Again, this isn't going to be something that's going to happen right away, uh, but it's, it's in the very near future. So this is just another step, Joshua. We kind of assumed this was going to happen this week. Yeah, it's interesting that little ultimate authority kind yeah. of deal there. Just you reading mm-hmm. that, it's, it sounds a little bit funny. But yeah, this is one of our expectations of what was going to start to happen as college football progresses into maybe a little bit of a different format for how we want to crown a national champion. And for me, like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily the biggest proponent of this 12-team format. I don't yeah. think the 12-team format is the right thing to do because I don't think there are 12 teams that can actually win it. But when you talk about now some of the excitement that can come along with it and then some of the games that will be on TV too, it's definitely intriguing. So very curious. And we talked about this the last time, but like I really got to get down with some players and figure out how they feel about this system. I know. And I I want you to do that for the sheer fact that I keep on seeing certain things that pop up on ESPN and so on and so forth. Some of these sports outlets. Booger McFarlane was on the other day being interviewed about this and giving his thoughts on this 12-team playoff possibility. He's obviously a former player and he had the the very he had very similar thoughts to you Joshua in the way that he thinks this is clearly it's all about making money, it's not about the athlete at all and he is just not for the 12-team playoff at all. He actually is happy with the four-team playoff format and doesn't think it should change and I am hearing this more and more from former athletes that I'm seeing on these shows. And so that what, that's what really makes me want to know what these current players are thinking. Yeah. And, and that's why I want to know too, because I don't want yeah. to be a, a get off my lawn guy, you know, yeah. like let's keep it the way that it was when I played, but I really need to know how players feel about such a drastic change yeah. into their, in, into their football schedule and, and how they had to treat their bodies and the length of the season and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll have you bump into some guys here in the next couple of months and we'll see what they have to say about it. Cause again, it's a little bit polarizing. Um, I know that people are excited cause it's like, Oh, more football, more football, more teams can get in. My team can get in. Um, but when it's all said and done, it's these athletes out here, you know, putting their bodies on the line, working those extra, you know, months to, to, make us all happy because we want right. football. Like right. that, when it's all said and done, that's what it is. Um, really quickly, before we wrap up this episode, I thought it would be fun to kind of pick each other's brains in terms of there's a lot of new coaches this year, okay? The 2021 season is full of new coaches. And some of them, they stand out more because they're in those bigger programs. Some of are, Some are in these little programs, and we don't hear about those as much. But when you just look at the overall field of new coaches, Joshua, who are some of the guys like your top three that you're thinking could really pull off a good season? Um, and it doesn't have to be like like one, two, three in, in terms of this guy is going to do the best, but just your top three and who you think can make a difference in year one, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the 
the one that comes to mind for everybody is Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, that's your yeah. guy there. Yeah, and, and and can he do it? Like, can he right, recruit right. the way he needs to? Can he coach a team um, up to the caliber that they think that they should be playing at? And yeah. he's had a lot of success as a coordinator, not so much as a head coach. So I think that's a very curious one for me. Second one I would have to say is uh, is probably Gus Malzahn. Yeah. At Central Florida and, you know, kind of took a step back from the job that he was at. But I think this is a really good opportunity. Again, he's going to be recruiting an area that he's very familiar with down south. And that's a program yeah. that recently has had a lot of success. So um, you feel like there's definitely an opportunity for him there. But the final one for me, and I got to go to Big Ten country for it, is Brett Bielema. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I left him off my list. Because I was actually going to throw him in there, but I wanted you. I felt like you were going to put him on your list, and I wanted to to know your reasoning for it. So this, yeah, and I'm I'm sorry if I stole any of your guys. I don't have a show sheet, so no, no, I'm just going off the top. Did you not get the show sheet? I sent you, but it's fine. I'm a true pro. Yeah, I can I can go without the show sheet. You see how I'm doing right now. Um, But anyway, um, you know, Brett had a ton of success at Wisconsin, and he he did a great job of recruiting players. He did a great job of elevating, not really necessarily elevating, but kind of like bringing that program into prominence in the modern era um, and doing it with big, nasty offensive linemen and running backs and a quarterback that can manage a game. Um, And he went to back to back Rose Bowls like he he is a I respect him as a coach. He's a little bit of a different type of guy. And I'll leave all that out of the conversation. But for him, I think the key is if he can recruit kids to stay in Illinois, like kids in Chicago, if they can go to Illinois, I think he can be successful. Yeah, I think that's key, right? I mean, Levy Smith just wasn't able to to really turn anything around there. No. I think the name we all were hoping, just having a name like that there, like maybe he could do something. It just just couldn't do anything. But I, I think a guy let, like – Brett Bielema could, right? Because of his past in college, in a program in the Big Ten. You're right. Yep. Being able to get some of those home state guys. Um, so that will be a fun one to watch. And I really do think he can have some success in year one. So I um, and apologize for again for the show sheet. I'm now very mad no, at myself because I, I swear I sent you that. But, but great minds think alike too because my top pick um, this year to really watch out for. And I think we'll have success in year one is Gus Malzahn. He's oh, now right. at central Florida, like Joshua mentioned coming from Auburn. And this is the reason why I feel like Malzahn can have success. Look, when you're at a sec program, when you're in a program like Auburn, I've covered Auburn, Auburn, my husband went to Auburn. We, we know a lot that goes on in terms of the pressure there, right? Um, it, it, it's the talk all the time of, is coach going to get fired? Is this his last year? Um, now he's in Central Florida, where, yes, they've had success, but they also don't, it's not as much pressure on you to win right now when, you know, and there's, you're in a, in a league where you can win a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the SEC. On top of it, UCF is very progressive and they do everything they can do to set these coaches up to have success. They're on it. They're, they want to be a program that's in the mix. And so sure. I feel like with, with Gus now there, not having as much pressure, having the things he needs for the most part, having Florida as a hotbed for recruits, I feel like he can have a lot of success in year one. 
Well, let me throw this at you real quick about UCF. Um, name, image, and likeness. How does Mickey Mouse feel about that? Oh. I mean, Mickey. that's a hell of an yeah. opportunity. Uh, I didn't you know, think about that. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if Disney would have the palette for that. Like, I don't know what their – because they got to – they're, you know, worldwide. But, I mean, come on. Wouldn't that be just a great opportunity? Yep. And I don't I, – I really wouldn't put that out of the picture. I, I wouldn't either. You know? I mean, who I knows? Mean, that's, that's a great point. Um, see, Joshua always brings up these ideas. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that. Interesting. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I need to be a, a sports agent and not a sports media guy. We, I mean, we could be like anything in terms of commissioners, the world. agents, Just, right? media. Whatever we you, already do. We, we already do got that locked up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and he's <laughs> the one, isn't Gus the one that put the Twitter handles on the back of their shirts? Like you were saying, the name yeah. is image likeliness. So, I mean, he's he is ahead of the A game and Central and UCF's like, go do your thing. He's yep. like, you know, whatever you want to do, Gus, which is like, cool. You love to see it. I love to see it. So I think Gus is going to have success. Uh, he'll be fun to watch. And then my second one, my second coach in here I'm throwing in here is um, Brian Harson at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Look, I know that not, not a lot of people know Brian Harson. Uh, he came from Boise State. I know him because I follow football back on the West a little bit more, mm-hmm. just being from there. And um, Boise State has always really had a, a pretty good program. Um, they keep just kind of their, they don't really play a ton of people, but they do have success and they have made a name for themselves and they have actually churned out some really good coaches and players. And so Brian Harson came from there. Um, everything that I have heard from the Auburn side of things, articles I've read is he is a heck of a leader. Uh, guys love him. Guys want to play for him. Guys want to get behind him. Um, and that's a good thing to start off. And I asked my husband today, I go, so have you heard anything? Like, what's the, what's the beef on the street? Like what's going on down there? What's the talk about Brian Harson? And he goes, honestly, there's not a lot of talk. And he's like, you know, that saying, if there's, you know, nothing going, if there's no talk, it's probably a good thing. Right. Yeah. So I think Brian Harson's a guy to look out for at Auburn. Um, we'll see if he can handle the pressure, but I think that, um, he has that program at least buying in right now, which is a good sign. Yeah. I, I think so. the interesting thing will be coming from the West coast in his last job, kind of to the yeah. meat grinder pressure yeah. cooker. That is the sec. Like you said, can he handle the expectations that are going to be um, that people are going to have of him down there? But to your point, if you're trying to be a guy at an sec program, you got to be a tough guy, right? Yeah. You got to be a tough guy. So yeah. it, it definitely makes sense from that point. And then my last one here, and I know some people might not agree with this one in terms of um, maybe having success year one, but I think I'm looking at it the way in a way that's like you kind of have to have more success than the program did last year, and that's Tennessee and Josh Heupel coming from huh. UCF. All my guys have connections, and I didn't even put that together until I looked at my list. <laughs> it's a nice they little, little triangle there. It's really funny now that I'm looking at that. Um, and I say Josh Heupel because I have heard some good things in terms of them, you know, getting the players in there that they want. Um, they seem to be, again, like Brian Harson, buying into Josh Heupel, um, buying into this, what's going to be a newer type of offense for Tennessee, um, just a little bit different. Um, 
And he's a former quarterback, you know, at Oklahoma. He, he won a national championship. He's not the most charismatic guy, at least to the media. But as long as the players are buying in and believing in what his message is, that's what matters. And again, I just think he has to have, have somewhat success this year, Joshua, because if not, like the pressure cooker is already starting to heat up in year one with him. So I think it's well, yes, the pressure cooker is always going to be hot there. I mean, it's I mean, they're they're always going to be on his ass as long as he's the coach there. It's interesting to me, though, you went with Tennessee and not Vanderbilt. And I know people don't have expectations of Vanderbilt, but Clark yeah. Lee is a guy who you feel like was built to take that job. So I'm Absolutely. there's there's some intrigue there. They're not a prominent program. They're probably not going to have a lot of success, but just from an intrigue standpoint, I'm curious to see how he does with that job. The intrigue standpoint, I'm 100% with you from the intrigue standpoint of it, but I know what they're working with right now. Yeah, it ain't much. And it's real slim. Yeah, it real ain't slim. much. And yeah. especially, I saw the offense work and I like some of the quarterbacks. I, I actually like the running backs there. Um, the offense looked pretty good in that spring game for the most part. And they you were feel like Vandy should guys. be able to record a, uh, recruit a decent quarterback. Well, I know, but it's been a problem. It's been a major I problem. I mean, so, there's got to be some smart guys down south somewhere. Yeah, you would think. So, you know, like a, a, a down south private school kid, pretty boy. That's With exactly a, how you a, picture a right? wet arm. Yeah. And yeah. I think but he I think he can start to get those type of recruits. Look, I bumped into him at the um College World Series. This is a guy we have met one time in person. Um when at the spring game. First time ever interviewing coach. Um uh, and, and we were able to do it in person like I said. And I saw him at the Vandy Super Regional uh, a couple weeks ago and he didn't have to remember who I was, but he was with his two kiddos going to the game. I said, Hey coach, I was like, how you doing? And he knew right away who I was. And it was, it was very nice and receiving. And, and I thought, you know what? He, he's going to, he's going to do some stuff here. He, That's he's pretty got, impressive. Yeah. I was really impressed with that because coaches are, they've got their own agenda. They got they're The least thing they're worried about is remembering people that they've met one time. You know, I just, I, I, that meant something. I was like, okay, this guy is, is sharp, you know? He's yeah. Sharp. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's a part of a job like Vanderbilt though, is, yeah. um, you know, can you get the people and can you get the media on your side a little bit? Right. You got to do it. Right. Yeah. And he, and he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. but I didn't find it phony. So that's, you know, that's the other thing I appreciate because sometimes that you can, you can see that. Down well, here. it can't be phony. That phoniness is it's down here. Yeah, well, you know, we smell you know? it. I know. Coming. Not from us, though. We're far no, from not that. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> if you want phoniness, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Just going to say. Um, so, just to give you guys a heads up, Joshua is moving next week. Woo-woo. Mm-hmm. Moving into a new house. And I'm excited because I want to hear all about the, the, new, the new house here. But we're going to go ahead and either skip next week or I might have a guest on. We might do something brief, but again, it's in such a slow season. Um, so we're going to give you as much content as we can, but Joshua needs to move. He needs to settle into his house and we're going to give him that time to do that. And then we'll have him back here and we'll learn all about his new place. So yeah, I'll give the, uh, the virtual tour to the, uh, we're, we're going to start a, um, a premium Patreon page and our first subscribers 
will receive the virtual tour for free. But then after that, everybody who subscribes will have to pay for it. So I um, like that idea. Either way, if you want your virtual tour, go ahead. We're going to get this Patreon rolling here. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's what you guys have to look forward to. Joshua, where, where can they find you on social media platforms? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J-E-P. And you can find me at Kelly Anderson TV, Instagram, Twitter, active on both of those. We appreciate you guys hanging in um, during these long summer months. I know it's not as, as much fresh content as you would like, but we try to make it fun and we try to bring something new to the table every time. We always appreciate you. Subscribe, give us likes, comments, whatever you like, and you guys have a great week. We'll see you back here real soon. Take care.